Good morning, and I'd like to welcome each one to Cypress Street. Today is a beautiful day that we have to enjoy, to come and worship our God. Uh, and the way of the announcements this morning, uh, if you're a visitor, I can't tell, but uh, fill out a card this morning and hand it to the one in the back. But we are happy to have each and every one here this morning that uh, you are special, whether you're a first-time visitor or a long-time resident. And uh, I'd like to thank each one for giving to the church and uh, making everything possible. Uh, without your help, uh, this wouldn't be about. And uh, <clears throat> today at 3 o'clock, uh, there would be start back at the singing at the guest house that uh, kind of bring cheer back to some people that are very special. And uh, of course, we're all very special. Uh, on Wednesday, I uh, remember the keys to the freedom uh, with Dana Owens and Brother Ray will help uh, the meeting here in the sanctuary. On Saturday, uh, Faith Promise, supper will begin at 6 o'clock. Come and uh, join with us as we listen to Jacob and uh, Sonia Mitchell as they uh, share with us. Also, next Sunday will be the Faith Promise with Carvin Adams. So come and join and uh, participate in, uh, in our Faith Promise. We're so thankful to be here today. And uh, the verse today is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on unto your own understanding. In all things and all ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. So if we'll depend upon God and not on ourselves, God will get us through. Let's begin this morning by celebrating our birthdays and anniversaries. We had a number of them this month. You have them there on the screen, and you can say today is, is Joe's, but he's not here for us to even tell him happy birthday. But we want to sing happy birthday to them, anyone that's their birthday during this month, as well as their anniversaries. Well, let's do that this morning. but let's just do it so we won't skip anybody, okay? Happy anniversary to Special announcement 
that one of these birthday parties, Marvin McConnell is turning 90 years old on Thursday the 14th. And his family's having a little birthday gathering here at the church in our fellowship hall between 2 and 5. So if you're free and not working, why don't you come by and say happy birthday to Marvin. That's mighty special to make 90 years of age. It will be for me anyway. <laughs> All right, let's everyone stand this morning and begin singing an old song, a beautiful song, Down at the Cross. Thanksgiving, isn't it? No longer slaves. I am 
so much. You may be seated. Children, it's time for your classes at this time. continued uh, support in prayers and finances and interest. We are in Cochabamba, Bolivia right now, but very soon, uh, next week, a week from today, we're going to head back to the States to welcome our fifth grandchild. So we're looking forward to that. And we're excited about the news that you're calling a new pastor family. We've been praying with your church about that for several years now. Mm -hmm. We're especially excited that they're Hoosiers, so we hope this process um, leads to a successful conclusion. And speaking of prayer, we'd like to ask you to pray for a leadership training group that just started on Saturday. Uh, this is a Bible-based servant leadership training program that has produced about 40 or 50 alumni here in Cochabamba over the years, people that are applying Christ-like principles to their businesses, to their professions, to their homes. We have everybody from engineers and doctors and housewives. 
So uh, just pray we will continue to do that while we're in the States. And so we need to just bathe this with prayer. That would be our prayer request today. And as we say in Spanish, we are sending each one of you a big abrazo, a big hug, and a big thank you. God bless. Jones, missionaries of the Church of God, serving in Bolivia, South America. Hi, Cypress Street Church of God. It's so good to greet you and thank you for your partnership with us. The ministry in Bolivia is going strong with more than 300 congregations and many new church plans. Although the pandemic was very disruptive, we are seeing renewed energy among our churches. The main reason we are serving in Bolivia <clears throat> is to aid in the development of leaders for our congregations. The Church of God is led by bivocational lay leaders. They love the Lord and are truly dedicated to the ministry, but there remains a continual need for biblical and ministerial training. I'm focused mainly on working with the latest groups holding weekly Bible studies in local congregations. I ministered to a combined group of ladies from the Cochabamba Valley once a month, and I'm also involved with youth and children ministry. I'm involved in the training of our church leaders. This involves a lot of travel to teach groups of leaders in the various cities as well as rural locations. I also hold training sessions in local congregations during weeknights and teach online virtual classes at our small Bible Institute. In addition, I am involved in preaching at many of our congregations and at juntas, or camp meetings held by each congregation every year. God is doing great things in Bolivia, and it is a real joy for us to be a part of His ministry to the Andean peoples. We're so thankful to God for you, Cypress Street Church of God, for your willingness to partner with us in the ministry that's taking place in Bolivia. We would not be able to do it without you guys. Que Dios les bendiga. May God bless you.
what awesome people that uh, go out and share the good news to other countries that uh, I take my hat off to every missionary that has uh, served in capacity throughout the world. Uh, share this little story that came to mind. When my daughter Amanda was uh, getting ready for a mission, she was, I think, 16 years old. And for some reason, she was not able to get the funds that would uh, permit her to go down to Brazil. And uh, we were uh, worshiping at a uh, church in West Carroll, First Baptist Church. And she <coughs> kind of put out the, uh, the sheep's uh, wool uh, that uh, if she would be able to go. Well, for some reason, that was turned down. Well, this gentleman, uh, he told her, says, Amanda, if you want to go on this mission trip, I'll pay for it. But don't tell anyone uh, that I paid for it. She said, well, I can't do that. She says, yes, you can, Amanda, because uh, <clears throat> God's going to bless you. And sure enough, he paid for the whole trip for her to go down there. And on this particular trip, she went to this village, and beforehand, the pastor of this church told the mayor, says, uh, uh, America's going to come down here and build me a church. And uh, he said he horse laughed him and told him, says, ain't nobody going to come down here and build you no church. He said, well, you just wait and see. And sure enough, when they came and uh, started building the People in the townspeople become gathering around. And to make a long story short, the mayor was saved during this time, that he seen the power that God works in, the, in this world and how it uh, swayed uh, uh, this one particular. So it was worth the money the time that she went down there to spend. And let me throw this one little uh, tidbit in. On her way back, she uh, enjoyed drinking Guadanon. And it's kind of like a cream soda, but it's the very best cream soda you could drink. But uh, uh, <clears throat> on the way back, she put the cream soda in her suitcase. And of course, you know what happens when it's in the bottom of the plane. It exploded. And she had her uh, Bible and all her clothes in her suitcase. And when she got back and took the suitcase out, all her clothes were wet. The Bible was dry and not a bit of uh, moisture on it. <laughs> So <laughs> that was a, a tremendous story, and I always wanted to share that because God works uh, throughout the world and in the hearts of people. So thankful for today, for being able to go to the Lord in prayer and to uh, bring our needs and wants to Him. We have uh, several. Andy Balsamore, uh, we want to lift up Matt and Nicole Hunt. 
and we're happy to have Cindy Adams here that uh, has, God has blessed and thankful to have her. And we'll continue to remember Jerry Crane and uh, our Faith Promise uh, service next weekend. And also the situation with Russia and Ukraine and us. I'd like you to remember Shirley that uh, she uh, is in the hospital and will be there until at least another day or two. And they're running tests on her for uh, uh, fluid in the lungs. And also remember my granddaughter. She woke up early this morning with uh, throwing up and uh, uh, a virus. So we remember her. Let us join our hearts and our uh, towards God. Dear Father, we thank you so much that we can come to you and we know that you hear and understand our prayer and our needs in our life. We pray for each one for healing and for uh, the things in their life that they need. Being stronger, help us to um, be able to witness before others, be able to love others when there is a situation. Pray that you'll bless and Brother Ray as he brings the message and shares the bread of life this morning. Thank you for him and his family for sharing here at uh, Cypress Street. We've been blessed by so many that have shared. We thank you and we continue to uh, bless in each and every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Conrad. Thanks, everybody, for being here today. And uh, we're not going to be on Facebook Live this morning, and uh, that, that's okay. It'll still be a little bit later. In fact, I thought about this. Yesterday we had a work day at another church that, that I'm also, I guess, pastor of, Pastor Meredith. So. <laughs> and uh, one of the doctors there said it's been six weeks since they had a COVID positive test. Six weeks. There were only three people in St. Francis Hospital with COVID. So, you know, uh, I think what we're going to do for Easter is maybe go back to the normal communion. Our ladies will prepare it with gloves and have everything, and we'll spread out the bread on a bigger platter. We'll make the ushers, you know, carry a bigger platter, and so you won't be reaching in. But I think it's about time to kind of start getting back to normal. Anybody agree with that? And so I don't want to offend anybody. If you don't, it's not a problem. But I just think that we're... We're getting there. Um, and so, hey, encourage one another, those uh, that maybe, you know, haven't been to church for a while. Uh, encourage them to get back. There's nothing like being in the presence of God and feeling His Spirit. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And uh, I love y'all. It's good that you're here. And if I had more time, I'd uh, maybe ask us to visit around. But maybe right at the end of the service, we will get a chance to grab somebody and shake their hand that you hadn't seen in a while, uh, you know, and, and tell them that you love them. And, of course, definitely be praying uh, for Shirley and all they're going through. If you have your outline on the back, I've been sharing the last three weeks on... Uh, we'll take a break next week for the Easter time. I'm really, I mean, not the Easter, the mission service, and then we'll be back on for Easter. But I'm excited about this weekend. We 
get to have a meal together on Saturday night and uh, hear uh, Zanya, uh, which I've not, not really heard her speak in a long time on missions, and Jacob Brown. Um, and so, and then of course Sunday Carvin. So we're excited about that. That's a time to fellowship and a time to hear about trips. But I've been sharing about the cast and it really relates kind of like the whole story of the Passion of the Christ. And so uh, I've covered, as you know, already Barabbas and his story. That cross was really built for him and Jesus took his place. Jesus took our place. I talked about the two guys that uh, kind of betrayed him, one of them being Peter and the other being Judas. And one went and kind of followed Satan's lead and didn't run to his brothers and sisters, ran away from God. And we know that story. The other one ran back to his compadres who were hiding up in the upper room area and uh, then ran back to God. And we know that story. So, so we've talked about all those. And last week we talked about Pilate and how he just wanted to be a people pleaser or a politician. Uh, guys, I do believe there are good politicians. I think many of them start good and we need to pray for all politicians. That's what the Bible says. But politicians, after they've been there a while, unless God's and Holy Spirit's leading them, it's hard to stay right. I'm just telling you, that's hard to stay right. And they become people pleasers. And we talked about that. So today, I want to talk about the two thieves. And the question that I have is bitter or better? And so, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I have some other scriptures that I'll read and probably will put a few up there. But I want to uh, read a story to you to start with. A man named Bruce Walkie tells the story of their cat catching a small bird. And I'm sure any parent here's had these kind of things. And they were trying to get the bird out of the mouth of the cat and, you know, try to get its wing broken. And as they were trying to work on it, that bird fought them tooth and nail to try to, you know, help, help the bird get healed. And y'all know exactly what I'm talking about with different animals. Well, one week later, fast forward, he just wouldn't let them help him. And, uh, or her, I don't know which gender it was. Uh, and then about a week later, he was, uh, the daughter got sick and pretty sick suddenly. So they took it to the medical doctor. And as the doctor was there, he diagnosed the child with strep throat. So guess what that means? A shot. And he said his daughter was like, oh, daddy, please, no, no. And he said, the, the child did not want the shot at all, but she ran, jumped in her dad's uh, arms and just, no, daddy, no. Any parent been there? I mean, it was kind of tough. And just squeezed so hard, you know, which, by the way, when you get a shot, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you this advice. It's not good to tighten up. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I can... I can I can tell you some tricks on how to do that, but they're definitely not good. But she did. And of course, he was talking about the difference between wanting to help the bird and the bird was fighting. Y'all know about someone drowning. Many people drowned who trying to help somebody who's drowning. And the daughter who didn't, same fear, didn't want the shot, very fearful, but ran to dad and hugged on dad. And I thought about that and I thought about Sometimes life throws us curves and we don't want to deal with it. I bet in this room and out there in our audience that will be listened to it later, there's a lot of people that face things in life they don't like. 
You might be the type that avoids confrontation. I hope you're not the type that goes, I can't wait for somebody to get ticked off so I can run right in it. That's a problem, <laughs> you know. But it's about as bad when there needs to be a confrontation or something you deal with and you don't deal with it. And then others of us, when pain and injury come, you know, we don't like it, but we don't fight God. And I've talked about it many times. We're more like that daughter. We run and we hug God tightly. How many of you know God loves to be hugged very tightly? He loves us to run to Him. And I felt His presence. I've been, you know, I have not been out of the country in some of the places that some people have been, but I've traveled a lot and I've been either on a motorcycle trip or a deer hunting trip or just a travel the world trip, taking our daughter almost to every state. And I've been in moments, and it's so amazing when you're peaceful and quiet or you start contemplating things, or I've been in an emergency room with a child passing away or something terrible, and every time I can go to God and He's there. And he always, always puts his arms around me. And I won't, I've, I've preached on this so much you're going to get sick of hearing it. <laughs> but I guess it's kind of like the guy that preached the same, D.L. Moody preached the same sermon. I don't remember carving. I need to look that up. How many times? Finally, after maybe the seventh, eighth, he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm going to stop it when the Lord tells me y'all have got it. It's going to be in this message. You're going to hear it over and over. When bad things come, and they will, run to God. Do not run away from Him. And it's easier said than done in a sanctuary. But that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. How do you respond to God when you find yourself in a struggle or pain? I want to read a story of these two guys, and I'm going to read a little more than what Brooke and you have on your outline. I'm going to read Luke chapter 23, verse 32, starting a little earlier through 48. New Living Translation. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called him out and they called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has, has not, hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Verse 44. 
By this time it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words he breathed his last. That's 3 p.m. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what happened, they went home in deep sorrow. Let's pray. Father, may we take the words and the events of this story that, Lord, we all know so well, and may we apply it to our lives, and may your Spirit really minister to us, Lord, what we need. Maybe, Lord, there's some areas in our life we need to be challenged, recentered, reprioritized. And, Lord, there might be some areas of our life we need encouragement. Father, we need you no matter what. May your Spirit speak to every person in this room and those who happen to hear it later. And may your will be done and all God's people said, Amen. Like I said earlier, sooner or later, everybody's going to go through some tough times. And you have a choice to either get angry about it and bitter, and I'm here to tell you I have been there, done that. Or you can reach out to God and you can say, God, I'm yours. Humble yourself as, as we saw thief one did one thing, thief two did the other. On your outline there, there's some questions that we have. In support. Which attitude are you, bitter or better? And the first point that I wanted to bring out about that thought on the crucifixion is this. If life doesn't seem fair, it's not. If life doesn't seem fair, it's not. I can hear you right now. Pastor Ray, I can't believe I got up, got dressed, and came to church to hear that. You've got the gift of encouragement. Well, hang with me. We tend to think that life should be perfect. Now, I have to admit, when I watch a movie, I want it to end good. And I will tell you, if you read the end of the Bible, it ends good. And in all our lives, if we really see this picture, even those that it seemed that they had a terrible shake in life, if the Lord Jesus is their Lord and they're saved, it ends good. Okay? Maybe that's why I want a movie to end good. But in life, things are not perfect. You just have to look at Jesus' life. And things are not always equal. God's design for our world was amazing, but we fail. We're in a fallen world, and I mean it's messed up. Sometimes you and I will not get dealt the best card of the deck. If you've ever, I'm not a big game player, but my wife loves to, and now that my grandson's on up, he likes to, and he's pretty good at it and pretty smart. And so, you know, sometimes we play some games. I'm learning, you know. I've never even played solitaire in my life, you know, or whatever. And they got another one, Nerts, and it's too fast. They're slapping each other around with cards. And that's, I mean, that's better than obviously TV and media and all those things. But, you know, sometimes you get a deck if you have to lay them all out and you go, 
good luck. <laughs> I got it. You know, and it's just go. Sometimes you get a duck, you go, I've lost this thing before I ever got started. You know, and there are people in life, and it's so true, they get a good deck sometimes in life. I had a good deck. I shared with you guys. I was raised very much like the TV show Leave It to Beaver, except for Jesus. Mom dressed up every day like June Cleaver. We always had, you know, multiple course meals. Every kid came to our house. Dad had the briefcase and went off to save the world or teach or whatever he was doing or both, you know. And we just loved each other. It was wonderful. It was great. I should have turned out much better than I did. I'm just telling you, I had it made. Bless her heart, there's a lady I've been working with, Dana and I've been pouring into for a couple years. Her life is the opposite. It's horrible. And although she's accepted the Lord, there's a lot of baggage. In fact, you ladies that are, gonna go, are going through the Bible study, really, I, I, uh, it's called Keys to Freedom, but the earlier version was Ditch the Baggage. I've often wanted to do a wedding, and I've done a couple weddings here. Yeah, I have. But in this chapel, where when the bride comes, when the groom comes out, each one of the groomsmen have luggage with them. Okay? And when the bride comes down, the father brings her, and then behind her is a bunch of porters bringing all her junk. And it sits here, and then they pass it out to all the girls. And I want to say, do you, Marlon, take Charlotte and all this junk and her family and all that stuff? Do you, Charlotte, take Marlon, and that ain't too bad, but all this junk and his family? Because <laughs> they're here. Because <laughs> that's what we get whether we want to or not. You know, life's not fair sometimes. I saw where a guy won the lottery in prison. Now that ain't right. Life's not fair. I told somebody the other day, if I win the lottery, it'd be a miracle because I've never bought the ticket. And I'm not here preaching against that. I just know if you do win it, tithe, I promise you that. But since the beginning of time and after the fall, until one day Christ returns, there's not always fairness and justice. God loves justice, but things are not always fair. Notice Psalm 73, and I didn't put it all on there, but you see the key parts. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Man, that's so true. Have you not seen them do so well? They seem to live such painless life. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They aren't troubled like other people or plagued with problems like everybody else. They wear their pride like a jewel necklace and their clothing is woven in cruelty. These fat cats have everything their heart could ever wish for. Now this is the psalmist David saying, sometimes you know evil people, it just seems like everything's going their way. But we're not seeing the spiritual picture. We're looking on the outside. How many of you know the grass is always greener across the fence? Actually the best one, and I've shared it with you, is Irma Bombeck. The grass is greener over the septic tank. But after you start living there, it stinks. That's the best one I've ever heard. This is March Madness. I don't know if any of you have been watching that. And of course, you all know I married Miss Kansas. So obviously, Dana's excited. And they're probably projected to win. And 
There was a real famous game last night. I watched a little of it, very, very close between North Carolina and Duke. Well, you want to think about a famous game in basketball. It's the 72 Olympics, and some of you are old enough to remember that, but it was Russia playing the U.S. The American team had never lost a game. I think they were 64-0 of all time. Never lost. They were in three seconds remained, and a guy was at the free throw and, and for the U.S., and he made two shots. And, and, you know, anyway, we got ahead. We were ahead. Make a long story short, there were three seconds left. We're ahead by two points. There's no way for the Russians. Everybody's celebrating. The guy threw, threw the ball in. It, it, the coach was trying to call timeout. Finally, a timeout was called. The game was over. America's celebrating, except it wasn't. A guy who doesn't have any authority in the Olympics, but he's over amateur basketball, went down to talk to the refs and all and said, put three seconds back on the game. And here's what he did. He made the referee, like, you know, you can do this right there at the line. He made the guy step back to the free throw line, the American, so they could throw the ball in right there by the basket. And they, when the guy threw the ball in, he stepped in before he threw it. There were like four or five blatant errors. Of course, the game was played in Eastern Europe under the Russian area and America lost the game. They didn't really lose the game, but in records, they lost the game. Oh, and it, get, it gets even better. The coach who had won the last three Olympics, uh, Coach Iba Abe, uh, filed a protest and while he was at the table filing the protest, let's see, somebody stole his billfold with $350 in it and all his credit cards. That's having a bad day. When you win the game, and then they take it away from you, and then while you're filing a protest, you get ripped off. So, my point is, life's not fair. We sometimes, I think it's better to go into it not being melancholy, but realizing life's not fair. Jesus tells us you're going to have troubles. So, realize that. And that sometimes is, is helpful for many. Number two, you can't always choose your circumstances. But you can choose your responses. This is nothing new. You've heard it before. You can't always choose your circumstances. But you can choose your response. Don't get me wrong. There are things that you can do to not get there. Like the thieves could have not been thieves. And they wouldn't have been executed. By the way, I love the second thief. He goes, we deserve death. You ever meet a criminal that admits their guilt and all that stuff? They're pretty much, in my opinion... Today you will be with me in paradise. You know what I'm saying? It's such a miracle. The two thieves were already on the cross. They're already hanging up there on the cross. But they both had to choose how they were going to respond. And how about you and I? Is it a, tend to be a positive response or a negative response? I'll tell you, my default and human nature default when things are that bad is pretty negative. That's how we tend to be. I love this story. This will make you smile. There's an old man, bless his heart, like us, who bought a small home in a neighborhood just like this church. He happened to buy a house. He was so excited about it. It was near his church. It was near all the stuff. He just, you know, he's retired. He was on Social Security. Only made one mistake. There was a junior high school just right like there is West Monroe High School. I was thinking about that when I came down Drago. Wouldn't that be a nice house? Your kids just walked to high school. High school? Well, maybe not. 
So one day, he hadn't been there very long, he hears banging, and it's a small group of boys walking down the alley beating metal trash cans. And I mean, they were making a big ruckus, and it was right during his nap, nap, nap time. How many of you know that school always gets out, whenever you take a nap, you can adjust your time, and they'll adjust when they get out. <laughs> just this made him crazy. So how does he respond? This guy's smart, and remember, he goes to church. So what he did, he stopped the guys and he says, this part I don't know that's good about the church. I love y'all the way y'all sound when you beat the kids. He says, I love that. The trash can. In fact, I'm going to, if you guys will do that every day, I'm going to give you a dollar each every day you beat the drums and beat the cans. Okay. Well, he does that for three days. He gives them three days. Then he comes out and he says, look, I've been looking at my budget and this new house I bought and I'm on social security. I'm going to have to cut you back to 25 cents a piece. Anybody figure out what they're going to say? If you think we're going to beat those drums down the alley for you for 25 cents, you're crazy. <laughs> Problem solved. Smart guy. Woo, I love that story. So this past month, you might have been through some tough times. Poor Conrad's been going through a tough day and he still came. Bless you, buddy. Paul says this on your outline, Philippians 4, 12, 13. I know what it is to have need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything who, through him who gives me strength. There's a poem, you can Google it sometime, where it says, I'm too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. That's, uh, you can read it. It's beautiful. So life's not always going to throw you things. They're going to come. It's going to happen. It's how we deal with it. And I think sometimes that's what I love about Dana. We are opposites in so many ways. And she just gives me another perspective. And she has to hear me argue about it. And then she tells me and a little later I walk off and I go, she's probably right. <laughs> you know? And you think it and you process it. You know what I'm talking about. Thirdly, on your outline. When we give in to bitterness like the one thief, we're fanning the flames in our heart, of our heart. That passion that comes up that wants to get even or whatever, you're fanning it. You're, you're not even being able to be logical about it. And I don't know if there's anybody in here who are punchers or kickers or whatever. I could go around your house and see where you punched. I've literally been in houses, you know, and there's holes where they punch whatever and, and kicked or whatever. Or I could ask your dog. Are they kickers? When you walk up to one like this and they go, <laughs> you can pretty much tell, you know. Or if you walk up to one, they go, you know, they're, they're fixing to tell you, don't, don't. But bitterness takes bad situations and make it worse. I, I read a story back of a terrorist back in 99 in Iraq, and um, I can't pronounce his name. He sent a letter bomb, but didn't put enough postage on it. And uh, the letter came back, returned to center, sender, and he opened it. Every now and then something works out. You know what I'm saying? It works out once in a while. But 
you know, when the, on your scripture, Solomon has uh, a text from Proverbs. Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with hasty temper will make mistakes. A relaxed attitude length, lengthens life. All three of those statements are so true, and you know they are. Every doctor in the world worth his salt will tell you that relax, low blood pressure, you know, it's much better for life. And it is good. Sometimes Dana will go to me, take a deep breath, chill, relax. Think about sitting on a deer stand and a Boone and Crockett comes up. I said, that raises my blood pressure. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know. Uh, you know, but those, those who control their anger, it's wise because if you jump into anger, you're going to make a mistake. You're not even able to make a logical. It's a temporary uh, answer to a, to a serious problem. So it's very important. Fourthly, when you feel you have it rough, remember, this is good, Christ suffered more. I'm going to say a bold statement. Remember when you, when you feel you have it bad and oh, you got it bad. Remember, Christ suffered much more. The two thieves were hanging on the cross, but who was in the center? Jesus. Christ. We tend to blame God when Jesus has been through more than anything we could ever go through. I'm going to go ahead and be bold and tell you there's been some stories I've heard since I've got to know you about horrible things that have happened in some of your lives and I'm sure there's others I don't know. Nothing any of us have ever been through equals what Jesus went through. And I, Lord willing, this Wednesday night in here, I'm going to share from the Journal of the American Medical Association physically what Jesus went through in the last uh, 24 hours of his life. And if you've ever watched the movie The Passion of the Christ, people talked about that and how terrible it was and it probably was the best illustration we have, but it wasn't enough. It was terrible what they did to him. And I want you to look at it from another perspective. Jesus gave up more. People have lost everything and done everything right before. Most of the time when we lose things, it's our own fault. I'm just being blunt. But Jesus gave up more. He's in heaven in control of the universe and he gave that up to come into our planet even if things went great this is a, a downgrade the son of God was born in a stall and the first smell that hit his nostrils was animals think about that it's incomprehensible but try wow he was rejected more. Now, I've been rejected by friends, particularly, you know, in junior high. And bless our junior high teachers' hearts. I think there are some, bless your heart, you need grace. I would rather teach little ones and bless y'all's heart or really high school or college. College was immature enough. I'm just telling you, bless your heart. He was rejected more. He was loved. He had all these friends, people he did that. I mean, even betrayed by his closest. I mean, none of them were there. I mean, Peter was wanting to be. He was impetuous. He was there. But I'm just telling you, you talk about being rejected. 
He was tempted more. You go, oh, I've been tempted. I tell pastors all the time, I used to mentor college professors, some of them, anybody in leadership, you better go in expected to be tempted, expected to, Satan's going to try to knock you down and expect it. But none of us have ever been tempted with powers and principalities like Jesus. In fact, who was his tempter? Do you remember? Satan himself. After you haven't eaten for 40 days or you know what I'm saying? That's, that's hunger. I'm just saying. He was tempted straight by that. Most of us are tempted by our own. Bible says our own lust. Our own things. We're tempted by our own weakness. We talked about that Wednesday night. The sin that easily besets us. It's different for me than it is for everyone in here. It's different. Most of us. And Jesus was tempted at the very core by Satan himself. And of course he suffered more. I'm going to talk more about that Wednesday night, Lord willing. Notice on your outline, 1 Peter 2. Christ who suffered for who? You. Is our example. Follow in his steps. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. Ooh, that's tough. When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried away, carried away our sins in his own body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You have been healed by his wounds. So every time we pray or we go to a doctor and, you know, they practice the art of medicine. They, there's no doctor, no psychologist that's ever healed anybody ever. Make sure you understand that. Never. They practice the art of medicine and what we're hoping in Shirley's case, they practice the art very well. It's not even a science. Science is affiliated with it. No doctor, otherwise you'd have scientists coming in there, you know, not even listening to you, just doing their thing. They, they know science, but they practice the art of medicine because they listen to people and any doctor worth his salt knows where the healing comes from. Where does it come from? All healing comes from God. Can I get an amen to that? Man, people that don't realize that, bless their hearts. That's messed up, by the way. That's messed up. And again, I talked about the fact that I know that some in this church have really been through some tough things. And, and I'm thinking of these stories that are just terrible, especially involve children and all that. But let me tell you why God knows how you feel if you've been through the ultimate pain. And that is God lost his son too. And he gave him up for me and you. So you can go to a God that's been there. Do you understand? And the bad things that happen in our life is not his will. It's not his will. He designed us to be in a beautiful world where we're safe and protected and all these things. But we fail. But let me tell you, he's hurt too. He has hurt too. I think we mess up. I, I, I've kind of been oh, witnessing somewhat, but not real boldly to a neighbor of, of someone. And I can't say a lot because it will be on the media. But the other day I was visiting with them. I hadn't seen them in a while. And 
there at their place and he was talking about, hey man, I started tearing up. I've gotten a Bible study at work. You know, I've been inviting them to church and getting involved, young couple and all this. And it just kept going and he's been through a lot of struggles and he turns and says, Man, what do you think? You're a strong, amazing Christian. Of course, I felt terrible then. I'm going, look, I'm not good. I kind of remember the story. Jesus even said, no one's good but what? The Father, you know. I felt better. Now, I've watched you the last two years. And I went, really? (laughs) That's creepy. No, (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, I've watched you the last few years. People see in your life how you deal with things. And this guy's been going through some pretty bad stuff some pretty bad stuff. And I just tried to share with him that God has hurts too. God feels your pain. God knows. God loves. God cares. God's emotional. And he just said, I just can't believe God feels. And remember one time you told me to watch that show, The Chosen? I said, yeah. He said, to see God be like in normal and, and have to walk and how he treated children, it let me know that God loves. Because he was raised thinking God was the zapper. You know what I mean? The guy up there whacks you. Because guess what his father was? The same way. Oh, that's why, that's a whole sermon series on being a father like God. You know what I mean? That's something that's so powerful. So just watching that show, let him see how Jesus cared. You know, I guess all my talking didn't work, but Vin Angel and the, and the, the, the story of the chosen ministered to him. Finally, God did not orchestrate your tragedy, but he has provided for your victory. Boy, isn't that a positive thing? That's a positive thing. God doesn't set us up for failure. He doesn't have to. This world's so fallen and messed up, it's going to happen. But he's definitely set up our victory. You know, God didn't force the two thieves to steal on the cross. In most cases, I'll be honest, when you have a cross, as I said earlier, and I have a cross, I'm going to be honest, most of the time, God didn't have nothing to do with it. I messed up myself. I'm dealing with somebody that's got 22... 20 something thousand dollars and here and here and here in credit card debt and you know on and on I can't remember there's some more debt too here's the thing sometimes it doesn't have you didn't do anything wrong in this particular case this couple um, needed to adjust their budget and about six years later realized they're maxed out on all the cards they can have God didn't do that to them. You follow them saying this young couple? They did it to themselves. It's a mess, you know. And sometimes things happen and it isn't your fault. You can't help it and you got to do. But what I'm saying is God cares. God's there. Even though God didn't create our mess, he still wants to get us out of our mess. And Satan's not that way. You, he'll talk you into the mess. He'll tell you how wonderful it is to live in the mess. He'll, he'll get you all over here. And then when you go, I'm going to fall. He don't care. God's going, here's the thing. God's so good. He can go, yeah, you got in it. Yeah, I kept telling you all along to stop. And all. But look, I love you. We're going to help you get out of it. 
That's how God is. He's always trying to work our way out of it. So you're on the cross. How are you going to get out of that deal? Well, one says, why don't you just do what these mocker Jewish people say and call your, your angels and, and get us out of it? The other one goes, man, don't you know who you're talking to? Don't you understand this guy's innocent? Remember me. And what did he say to the one that humbled himself, no matter how messed up, you don't get more messed up than be hanging on a cross. Okay? So even if you're in debt, I don't know, 50-something thousand dollars in credit cards, and you don't make that a year, okay, as a couple, that's not as bad as being on a cross. Would you agree with that? You're dead. Okay? And even in that circumstance, Jesus had an answer to him. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now I want to caution us. It doesn't mean God will always forgive the humble, the cocky not, the proud not, but the humble God will always forgive. But there may be consequences, but God's forgiveness is so amazing and the eternal rewards are so amazing. Today you will be with me in paradise. I'm shocked at the people that I've gotten to know that really think God is so bored that he's out to get them. I, I mean, we just have to spend a little time talking about how stupid that is. Sorry. That's just what it is. God's got nothing better to do than just go around going, get you. I mean, that's frankly pretty selfish on our part to think God's going around trying to get us. I mean, he's running the whole universe. He's running the whole thing, and he loves us, and he's provided provision. And yeah, when we call upon him, he's there. But it's not like we can manipulate him, and it's sure not like he's out to get us. He's been out to save us. Jesus said, I came to what? Save. Not condemn save, not condemn. I just think that's funny. God every week picks on me. And they don't even have medication yet for that. Okay. Life's not fair as we talked about. Know this. God is reaching out to you to offer you comfort and victory no matter who you are or where you are. Now, there isn't like it's going to be instant pain relief. Here's what we want. We go to McDonald's and have instant 10,000 calories. We go and we have pain and we want an instant pill. And, and we now know all the pills that we took when we went to the doctor caused all kinds of problems. You know that? I mean, bless our hearts, now there's the opioid crisis and all that sort of thing. But we want instant gratification. And it's not that we're going to get instant gratification or instant pain relief from this. There are consequences. But let me tell you, there's a change in our eternal destination, a change in our hope, and a change in our joy that can take place when we humble ourselves before God. In the midst of the pain that we have, God offers to do a work. 
in the midst of the pain. I have a scripture from Romans 8, 28, y'all all know it. And we know all things work together for good to those who love him, have been called according to his purpose. And all these things were more than conquerors through him. That means there's nothing Satan can throw to us that God can't work through it to make us better. Satan's rejoicing in our defeat. God is offering ways to strengthen us in our tough time. If I had never been through pain, how good of a counselor, psychologist, or pastor would I be? How good? In other words, I'm going to have troubles. I'm going to have faults. I'm going to have faults. I'm going to fail. I've gone through pain. I've gone through struggles. Maybe not the same ones you have. Some things I've gone through. But here's what I'm saying. By going through those, it's like the scars that are there, God uses where I can help others. Does that make sense? In fact, I will tell you, God doesn't like to waste a good failure or good pain. He likes to use it for his kingdom and his glory. And when our children go wayward, when things go bad, whatever it is, God wants to take that and use it to be for his good, to help us be better. Maybe not in our life, maybe counseling like I was doing to this other guy. It could be. Despite everything, at the bottom of your outline, I think I have some things. Despite everything, know this. You are loved and never alone. Now, where can you go to get alone? If you're a true believer, in fact, if you're not a believer, it still works. Did you know you can't go anywhere to be alone? One thing that helped me hold me accountable, I've taught so many students and I've been traveling in the weirdest places like Dallas, Texas and maybe go to Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's way over in Fort Worth and around the corner comes a student, Dr. Owens, you know, some, some student. I, I, mean, don't matter. I mean, I'm just saying, it, don't, it just makes me have to be the same. I have to, you know, I can't, I can't do anything. I just know somewhere. Well, let me add one better. Let me, let me. You can't go anywhere that God's not with you. And you know what integrity is, is not, it, it really thinking about it, it's what God knows we are. It's what he knows we are. So that's good. That, that's good accountability. But it also means I'm never alone. I'm never facing anything alone. I think you can even go to Central America. And I heard he's down there. Carvin's going to tell us about it. They just said he was in Bolivia. You can go, there's nowhere you can't go that he's not there. That's amazing. And the worst thing is, I mean, if my time comes, I'd love to hear the words, today you will be with me in paradise. Whoa, I'll take that, I'm going there. We live in a pretty bad world where even Mickey Mouse has gone crazy. That went over most of your heads, that's okay. Where'd that come? Okay. Down at the bottom. Just past your deep valley is your victory. And it was just past your pain on your cross, your cross to bear. Whatever it is, whatever hurt has come your way, and it's probably been unjustified, the worst ones probably have, but no matter what it is, just beyond that's our paradise. Just never give up and keep holding on. Amen? Amen? Hold on. So we have a choice. Bitter or better. Would you bow with me and pray? 
Father, every person in this room has gone through things that are very frustrating. Some hurtful. Some have been lost that I can't even imagine. But I know this about you. You are never going to forsake them. You are there with them. And there's no pain that they've gone through or I've been gone through that matches what you've gone through. Lord God, we have abandoned you. We have betrayed you. We have forsaken you. We have killed your son. We've done all of this and you still love us. And you understand our pain. You understand what we've gone through. And you want to be there for us. God, can we recommit to you this morning that you're our Lord and that we want to be better, not bitter with these circumstances we face. God, we might this morning need to ask for forgiveness for maybe a proud attitude or a cockiness or a hurt we're holding on to because we like the bitterness maybe. We get so messed up, we, we like it. We want the sympathy. But you're calling us today, this time, whatever's happened in our life, to lay it at the feet of the cross, to give it to you, Jesus, to lay it there and to hear the words, today you will be with me in paradise. Oh God, can you in this place, Cypress Street Church Sanctuary right now, can you set us free? Can we give you our pain? Can we give you our hurt? And will you give us joy as we humble ourselves before you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to sing. You stand with us this morning as we sing, I am the Lord's, I know.
I pray that you would accept all the prayers that we just gave to you, Lord. And Father, throughout the day and throughout this week, I pray that you would show us things. Maybe it's a song we hear when we're reading your word that becomes so alive to us. Maybe in our children. Maybe in our spouse. Maybe in a friend. Maybe in a stranger. May we hear you. And God, may we just listen to what you have to say to us. And let go of some things in our life. And be better. Father, I love the people here at Cypress Street, my Cypress Street family. But God, you love them so much more. And you just want them to know how much you love them, how much you want to free them. Just set them free. And Lord, as they go to circles, as they go home, as they eat with a family, may they intellectually and cognitively and even in the, their very soul know how much they're loved by you. I pray for that, Lord, in, in the next few moments and throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dismissed. Thank you.